You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. from the triune God. Amen. Worse with each subsequent pregnancy, Peggy had beat the odds with two healthy babies and was told she could not have another. Also, she was on birth control. So every night when my big sister Barbara prayed and prayed for baby sister, sister, my mom was like, yeah, keep praying. (laughs) And then, despite the odds and despite the birth control, Peggy got pregnant with me. And despite the odds, and despite what every doctor said, she gave birth to me. And despite the odds, and despite the fact that the nurses told her not to try and breastfeed me since I wasn't going to live, and if I did, she would only make me more sick, yes, despite this all, my mother nursed me. And while she did, she prayed and she sang hymns. When they finally took me home, they basically handed me to my big sister and was like, here. At times, I really believe that the only reason I'm alive is the prayers and hymn singing of these two women. It is one of those things I believe yet cannot fully explain. I don't think it's my own faith or prayer that has in any way saved me, but it is the faith and prayer of others. Don't mistake me. I would never suggest that if we pray hard enough, we can keep our loved ones from dying. There's a difference between thinking we can be like God and seeing in retrospect the way God has used the prayers of others to help and save us. But just because we don't get to decide the effect prayer has in the world does not mean that prayer has no effect in the world. And this week, I kept thinking about how perhaps perhaps we are being held in prayer, protected by prayer, loved through prayer in ways we don't even perceive or understand or know. Prayer plays an interesting role in the divine jailbreak story we just heard from Acts because it sort of feels like something out of a comic book, that story, as if Paul and Silas have obtained superhero levels of faith. Like Superman can leap tall buildings in a single bound and Spider-Man has heightened senses, but Paul and Silas, they can cause earthquakes to free them from prison just by praying and singing a couple hymns. It's like they leveled up or something. I really, 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 really want to see myself in Paul and Silas. Kind of in the same way I really, really want to see myself in Wonder Woman. (laughs) (laughs) I want to think of myself as having that kind of superhero faith. The kind that, were I falsely accused, stripped of my clothing, severely beaten with rods, thrown into the depths of a first century jail cell and shackled, that I too would respond not by crying like a baby or being immobilized with fear and hatred, but like Paul and Silas, I would respond 
in the dark of night in a jail cell by praying and singing hymns. I have not been in that particular situation or anything vaguely like it, and maybe true hardship would surprise myself, but given how I respond to even minor irritations, that superhero response feels real unlikely. Because <laughs> if I'm honest, I have to admit that if I pull a muscle and can't work out for two weeks, or even if I just run out of coffee at home, I lose faith. <laughs> I've never known what to do with messages that tell me, just pray and have more faith and everything will be fine, because those kinds of messages never make me have more faith. Those kinds of messages just make me have more guilt for not having more faith. And then I just feel more stuck in this feeling of spiritual inadequacy. Speaking of which, my own spiritual inadequacy was in full force this week as I struggled in this campaign season to see the humanity in my ideological other, along with much of the country, I feel hopelessly shackled to my own beliefs in ideology and worldview, a prisoner with everyone else in the culture war. I found this week that my own ability to access the better part of myself, the part that can see the other side as also bearing the image of God, was pretty inadequate. Which means that if my only hope rests in my own stingy heart or my own mortal level of faith, then I feel hopeless. And then I was tagged in a YouTube video. <laughs> it was Thursday night, and I was standing in the kitchen of a friend's house when I saw a link to a video featuring a middle-aged white guy in a goatee and a trucker hat. Apparently, this guy, Larry, had made a video message to me. Absolutely sure that he was yet another arrogant conservative who felt the need to mansplain to me why I'm a dangerous heretic and not a real pastor, I braced myself for a fight when I pushed play. Had I known what was really on this video, I would have instead attempted to prepare my heart and not my fists. Instead, I stood in my friend's kitchen and listened to this self-described former Marine biker gun-toting NRA member conservative Republican say how Pastor Reagan's beautiful sermon on Thomas that he listened to on our podcast made him cry, and it tore him apart, and he thanked us for helping to peel away the calluses on his heart and helping him to love. Larry is exactly the kind of person who all week I was feeling spiritually inadequate to love or even see as a brother in any way, and yet it was his faith his broken and healed heart, his love that gave me the heart and faith I lacked. I didn't create that faith for myself, and yet there it was suddenly. So as someone who is not unfamiliar with the feeling of spiritual inadequacy, which character do I really relate to in the story of Paul and Silas in prison? It's not really Paul and Silas at all. In fact... It's the other prisoners I relate to the most. Verses 25 and 26 say, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors and shackles were opened, and 
everyone's chains were unfastened. Everyone's chains were unfastened. Not just the ones praying and singing. Everyone. I love that it was only Paul and Silas who prayed and sang hymns, and yet it was all the prisoners who were freed. Like somehow the faith of two was sufficient for the whole group. I love that kind of math. (laughs) (laughs) And later, the belief of the jailer was enough for his entire household to experience salvation. I relate to being in the dark. I relate to feeling shackled to certain ways of thinking and feeling and acting. I relate to not being able to free myself and yet still experiencing freedom. In other words, I relate to relying on the faith of others, the songs of others, and the prayers of others. So many of us have felt tortured by not knowing if we have enough faith or the right kind of faith And I've said this before, but perhaps it bears repeating. I don't think faith is ever given in sufficient quantity to individuals. I think it's only given in sufficient quantities to communities. Because this thing isn't an individual competition, it's a team sport. God has provided in us all the faith sufficient for freedom. We just have to take turns being the ones being lowered through the roof to Jesus and being the ones doing the lowering. I believe there's enough. There's enough faith. There's enough love. There's enough hymn singing. There's enough freedom. And for we who bear the name Christian, prayer and love and faith and hymns are our birthright. Even if we don't always know how to pray and we love poorly and we have little faith and we don't like all the hymns, (laughs) even then, All of this is ours, just as it has been the birthright of all the people of God for millennia. Even when we don't have enough of our own, there is enough. After all, even Jesus' own prayers for us surround this community, as weird as that sounds. If you listen to the beginning of our gospel reading, it's from Jesus' prayer at the end of his ministry on earth. He prays to the Father in that text, not just for his disciples, but for all those who will believe as a result of his disciples' testimony. And so if you're doing the math at home, that means us. We are those who believe as a result of those disciples' testimony. All that stuff we heard about Jesus praying that we be one with him and the Father, that's what all this is. That's a result of Jesus' own prayer for us. When we sing hymns, We join our voices to those who've sung before us, Paul and Silas in prison, and the early Christians in the upper room, and the desert fathers and mothers escaping persecution, and the medieval monks carrying tradition, and the civil rights marchers trudging the path of faith and resistance, and Peggy in that hospital rocking chair, and us together here tonight. There's just so much prayer and faith surrounding us all the time and affecting us in ways we don't even know. And for this abundance in the faith, in the face of my own insufficiency, for your faith and prayer and song, which unshackles me over and over, and for the God who made it all possible, I give thanks. Amen. <laughs>